You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Well, good evening. It's um, just an honor to be here, which we're here almost every Sunday and Wednesday, but, but not up front. So... Um, I just want you to know I'm Cassie Hicks, and I um, am my husband, Mark, is associate pastor here. And we're very thankful, um, you know, that, that Pastor Jeff asked us to speak. Candy had a family situation come up, so she's not going to be here. And, um, and we have uh, Dave and, and Barbrandt that will be sharing a, an amazing testimony and um, Dave might just be supporting her. But, um, you know, I woke up this morning, and I, I just, I've got so much on my heart. So I just always trust the Holy Spirit when I, when I speak at nursing home, you know, and some of their ears may be closed. I'm not here. I don't have to worry about um, saying the wrong thing for some of them. But they're there, and I, and I do believe that they do hear um, but we share at the nursing home and then with, with uh, the high school and, and with other women. But I've been taking a class. Is this like, okay? I, I hear it um, in the background. Does it sound okay? All right. I've been uh, taking a class through Karis Bible College with Candy for over a year. Actually, a year and a half. It's a one-year course, but it's uh, taken me you know, sometime. But, uh, you know, and, and then I've also had the, the pleasure of going to Arizona and being with my um, daughter and her husband, who are pastors. And then they have a lot of speakers out in Arizona. So I've been introduced to many um, ministers of the word. And one of the things that have totally changed my life because I've, I've done this, you guys, years ago. Anyone that's ever had um, an alcohol or, uh, uh, or any world problem, like where you're so focused on the world that you don't um, remember. You, you know in your heart that you're his child, but you don't know how to get back to him. I've, I've been there. And so when I came back this time, when we came and we heard Pastor Jeff, I get tears, you know, the first day that praise opened, and Mark wasn't with me, and I, um, I heard him speak, and I was like, this is what I have been waiting for. And I was so thankful. He preached the word, but he preached it with confidence and with love, you know, and the church family, amazing. You know, I, I still say that. I'm so thankful for all the volunteers and all of the families and how we support one another and love one another. So, that's what, you know, brought me back. I started getting in the Word again, and, and I knew. I, I mean, I knew all along I was his daughter. I had no doubt about that. I had a few dreams that I was left behind, but I had no doubt that I was his daughter. So um, there was, you know, there's, there's a, a, regarding healing and what I've been studying on, many of you know these scriptures. I don't know how I have them in order or if they're going to come up, but uh, scriptures like, um, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with the steadfast love and mercy, with his steadfast love. 
who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And it goes on and on in, in uh, Psalms 103. And then there's Psalms 91, and anyone that knows me knows I love that, and I camp out there. And it says, uh, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And it goes on and it talks about that, you know, all the things that he does for us. The key, the keys that I think unlock our hearts towards God is to realize how much he loves you. How much he loves you. When you love your child, your grandchild, you never want to see him sick. You never want to see him in a condition that isn't perfect and whole. And when I read these scriptures and I realize how much he loves me, and he ends 91 with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And I think about that and I'm like, you know, he will show me his salvation. He's going to show me. He's going to show me what his word is saying, what it means for me. When, when Jesus came and said his, the word became flesh. And so when we take communion and we honor God with, with our flesh by consuming what he did for us on the cross, that brings life to our body. And you know, in Isaiah, actually I left my whole notebook up there, I brought the wrong one up, but here, let me grab it real quick. Um, in Isaiah, it talks about the curses and the blessings, and then it tells us to choose life. Not it, God. He's speaking to him, and he says, but choose life. And so um, when you realize how much you love him, you're going to want to choose life. And when, I, when you're hearing these songs, I surrender all, that's another key. Surrender everything, every moment. Whether you're at work, you are um, in full-time ministry, whatever you're doing, surrender to him all the time. And then, like Paul in Galatians, he says, I have confidence in him. He's, well, it says that throughout the Bible, but when we have confidence in him and his word, you begin to read the word wrong or differently. You begin to read the word correct. You see yourself in these scriptures like Jesus did, and you become the whole. You become the healthy. You, you believe what he says about you. So I want to just briefly go back to at Karis Bible College in, um, in uh, Woodland Park. Um, Colorado, Candy and I went and saw the campus and met uh, Andrew. And um, the one thing that I remember the most about that is we listened to Carly, which she's got a testimony online, but she said um, that she went to the doctor and, and she said that they told her she had diabetes. And she, she loves the Lord. She has seen many miracles. And she went to the doctor, I believe it was for um, life insurance or something. So they said she had diabetes. And she said, she's from England. She's like, no, I'm sorry, but I don't. And they're like, no, you do. And she's, no, I, I don't. And she just kept saying that. There was like four or five tests. And they're like, you need insulin. And you're going to die if you don't take it. 
And, you know, this is, we're talking about someone confident that knows the Lord and his love for her, that has experienced his word come to life in her body at, in previous times as well as her child's. And so um, she said, I'm, I'm sorry that your test said that, but I won't be taking that, and I don't. And she, eight years later, has never had insulin, and she is still very much alive, and she's a teacher there. And that was one of the things I remember the most because I thought, you know, if you had any doubt at all, in today's time with medicine and everything that we have for us, if I've got a strain back or something wrong, like Pastor Mark exercising a new fitness thing we're doing and was in he sent me a picture he's in traction with Dr. Haas you know it's so convenient today to go to the doctor but see she had already purposed in her heart that he has already healed her and she walks in that and she she has not taken that medication and so that you know was something that I listen to and and I've already felt that in my heart and I've been walking that out in in little areas in my life and I've never had a really a negative report but I figure if you go to the doctor it's 50 50 you're either going to get a good report or a negative report and so um you got to be prepared for that you know you got to know in your heart what God's word says about healing and you got to know what you're going to do you know, just like Pastor Jeff said, up, and, they, and they said at the conference, you, you want to go and, and get help with the doctors? Go and do that, you know, and we'll be praying and right by your side. It's not about that. You have to know inside with the Holy Spirit in you, you're going to know what you're going to do in that moment. And so um, I was thinking about Joseph and I know we know about Mary and how by faith she believed God, right? So I was reading, um, let me see where that one's at. I don't know what I got going here. That's it. So in Matthew 1, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. That's the key right there. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. That's, you know, here at Praise, we've been talking a lot about that. You know, we have to be willing to do what God's word says to us. When he speaks a word to your heart, whether it's through a dream or meditating on the word of God, 
You need to listen. You need to listen and then stand with confidence and believe that word no matter what. And that's how Joseph was able to do that. Plus, they listened to the Old Testament. They heard that the Savior was coming. So it wasn't like new news to them. And all of us, since we've been young, many of us have been in the church, and we've heard the word of God. When you start hearing it on the inside of you, I try to teach the young kids that. You don't get a picture of what he tells you. See yourself whole and complete. See yourself in whatever area you need his help in. See it already done. One of my favorite scriptures that everybody who knows me knows also um, is in Hebrews, and it says... uh, well, it says it in Hebrews 3. It also says in Hebrews 4, 3, For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Talking about the Israelites um, going through the wilderness. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. When I got a hold of that scripture, his works, everything he's done is finished. I have to walk in that. I have to believe that what he's done has been finished since the foundation of the world. And so when he rested on that seventh day, you know, um, it, it was finished. When Jesus died and finished his work, he said, it is finished. What he took care of was the curse that came through the fallen nature of man. And so through the temptation in the garden, every day we're tempted. We are tempted with thoughts. They enter our mind like that. And I'm still amazed at how often I speak them out. That's, you know, that's repentance. That's like, Lord, and I've got lots of close friends that are more than willing to let me know what I just spoke out. And I'm very thankful for that. We, we don't even realize it sometimes. You know, but once you believe what God's word says about your situation and you get it for yourself, nothing, no circumstances, and there will be circumstances, nothing can change your mind. No person, nothing. And that's another key. It's staying separated from this world. So other people's opinion, it won't matter. You are solid. You, you are rock solid. You believe what Jesus did on the cross Finished, done. Now, Lord, show me how to walk it, how to walk it out. Because these people at Karis, they're not just pretending and trying to cheer everybody up and fire them up. Come on, we're believers. No, they've experienced it. They've walked it out. They've had negative reports. They've had gross on their bodies. They've had, there's testimony after testimony on that. And you know what? We're how old? You know, we've got till 120. That's what we believe. You know, it's like you're gonna. We gotta really practice walking this out because, like Mark, trying this new workout we're doing. He he's not as fit as he thought he was. I'm a little fitter than I thought I was. No, but he's. You know, it was hard work. He's using neck muscles that he shouldn't have used anyway. It was your stomach you were supposed to use, but you know. Anyway, he'll probably hear this later. Uh, but that's, that's the thing. It's like, so don't practice when you get that report. And I don't mean practice, but it is, it is a, it's what you walk out. Believe his word. 
And then when a negative report comes, nothing will change your mind. Nothing. You're, you're, you're solid. You are going to do what the Lord told you. And actually, for some, it may be surgery. It may be whatever. But you're going to do it with confidence. You're going to believe. I, I told Candy when we took off to go to Colorado, she, you know, like semis bother her and different things. And I, you know, and I spoke. We, we agreed together. We are going to get in this car, my little Toyota, and we are going to Colorado Springs. We are going to class, and we're going to come home and fulfill his plan for our life. And, you know, I really believe that I saw us, I had a picture in my mind. So the young kids I was talking about in Sunday school, I'll say, get a picture of an apple. Do you have that? And then I'll say, a red apple. You know, it makes all the difference. Now there's a red apple. Some could have had green, some red. So when you start seeing yourself healthy, when you start seeing what the doctor tells you, and you're like, Lord, I'm, I'm going to walk through this. I'm going to go through it. You know, we have church family here. We have people here that will encourage you in the word. And so once you declare, I, Psalms 118.17 is a big one for me too, because I, I watched, I saw somebody get hit by a car, fly up, down, and, and that word came out of my mouth. I pulled over on the side. I got out of my car, and I said, you shall live and not die and recount the deeds of the Lord in Jesus' name. And I found out months later that this woman lived, that she lived and that all was well, which we, you know, um, Anyway, I, I do get a lot of pictures. I see things, and I, I, believe, I believe them. I believe that what God's Word says. So when you're reading the Word, see yourself in that. Put your name in it. Where Paul's speaking, put your name in there. You know, I will share this Word boldly. God just needs us to be willing to, to be used. Our mouths, our hands to encourage and build up other believers, but to go out into the world and encourage people that, you know, they may not have even remembered him like me in and out, but I knew I was his child. And the moment I heard his word, it was like that. I was home again. And so somebody out there may just need to hear, you are a child of the most high God. You shall live and not die. You will fulfill the plans that he has for you. When you start speaking like that, I mean, you might, you know, get some rejection from this world a little bit. But, and I only recommend that when you've been in the word and when that in, inside, you know you're supposed to share something with, with this person, a believer or a non-believer. But um, it's our confidence in our Lord that is going to change other people's lives. So again, declare his word over your circumstances. Um, with loved ones that, that are not coming to church or you know, are ignoring him right now, just start praying, Father, I thank you that they're hearing your voice. You know, Start speaking the scriptures over them. And when we do things, it's, it's not like, oh, I did it wrong or I'm doing it right. Our confidence, our mind is set on him. We are trusting in him. That's what makes this possible. It's not that I quoted 20 scriptures today and I was in prayer for 20 minutes or two hours. 
Okay, I don't think that can hurt you, but it's not, that, it is your trust in what Jesus has done. Your confidence that what he said will come to pass in your lifetime. That it will, um, it, it will happen. He, he cannot lie. He doesn't lie and he loves us. He tells us what to do. He tells us to choose life. Um, there was a, let me see. Uh, today in our devotion with Smith Wigglesworth, it says, um, thought for today, God rejoices when God rejoices when we manifest a faith that holds him to his word. We hold him to his word. He loves that. Someone asked me, what does it mean to uh, minister to God? And I believe, besides the praise and worship and, and loving him and thanking him and not forgetting any of his benefits, I believe it's holding him to his word. He loves that. He wants to know that we believe his word and we're trusting him. We're counting on him to fulfill. So if you've gotten a word about a move, a new job, or anything, get a picture first. You've got the word, whatever word. One time uh, Jenna's mother was coming to our home and, and we didn't have a bed in there. We had a pole out. And I felt like I was supposed to get a bed. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know how you're going to tell me that. You know, give me an answer first. Should I buy a bed or shouldn't I, right? Well, I turned to Philemon. I think it's in Philemon where, where uh, Paul said, prepare a guest room for me because he was believing he was going to be there. Prepare, and I'm like, that's, that's good enough for me. Like I was just reading and that came, it popped out at me. That's what a word from God will do. You'll, it'll leap off the page, Keep a hold of that and don't let go. And also, if you've been praying and he tells you something, you see yourself doing it. You ask him for a word. And just like some uh, people that I've prayed for before, they'll come up and say, what you spoke over us is what God has been speaking to us about. So, And I would have no idea about that. But just trust that if God has... You feel like you're supposed to tell somebody something? Share it. I just heard from one of our teachers last night for our new class. It says, practice sharing his word with someone. And if they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, just say, well, I was just practicing. It was just a practice, you know. It was like you don't have to uh, be afraid to share his love to others. Um, so the the... You know, the example I could give you is through many testimonies. Candy has experienced God in her life so huge. Um, many of you that I know out there have experienced him. And once you've experienced him in your life, it, I mean, you only grow stronger and stronger. If you've ever had where you've been disappointed in something, get reacquainted with him. Sit in his presence. Stay in that secret place and just say, Lord, you, you teach me. You show me. You show me. You know, I don't even want to use the word missing it because then it puts it back out on us. All we have to do is seek him and he'll show up. Just seek him for every area in your life. And uh, so one of my greatest friends and testimonies here tonight is Barb. And um, I just want to, most of you guys know Barb Brandt amazing woman of God. I've seen so many answered prayer through her. And, um, and if I ever needed prayer, she'd be one of the first ones I'd call. So 
um, besides many of you out there. So we're going to listen and hear from Barb, and um, praise God. Thank you. Good evening. I'm here to share with you a journey that our family has taken this summer. It wasn't one that we necessarily volunteered for, but uh, it's a journey that God has taken us on. And I want to just tell you about his unfailing grace, his mercy, and his goodness. We serve a mighty God whose word is alive and active today. On June 6, 2015, so just three months ago, my husband and daughter planned to take a three-mile run together, and they were preparing for a seven-mile race at the end of July. It's a race that my husband has ran for 28 years, and um, our daughter has joined in the last couple of years. And so she called a couple weeks before uh, this Saturday and said she was coming home, and she wondered whether or not uh, they could go for a short run um, before she, ha she had a bridal shower that afternoon. So. They made plans to do that, and she got home about 11.30 that morning. And by 11.50, they, um, they were ready, and they left the house. I told them that I would be leaving the house in about five minutes, that uh, I was going to go on a walk, and I would meet them back at the house. We'd have lunch, and our daughter would leave for her bridal shower. I can still remember standing in the living room and looking out the front window, and I remember seeing our daughter's ponytail waving from side to side, and their faces were turned towards each other, and I knew they were in conversation. But what we didn't know was that almost immediately from the moment they left our driveway, he began to experience a really severe headache. And he didn't tell her that he was having any pain in his head. He just kept running. He's not one to succumb to pain. He just thought if he finished the race or the, the run, he'd come home, he'd take a couple of aspirin, uh, take a shower, and rest. Um, I'm here to tell you he never made it home that day. I left the house a few minutes later, like I had told them, and about seven to eight blocks into the walk, and I was following the same path that they were running, I decided to take a turn and to take a different route than, um, than following that, the path that we had walked hundreds of times. Little did I know at that point that that was going to position me um, for the events that were ahead of us. When they were about a mile and a half into their run, my husband's headache just became excruciating, and he was beginning to lose his vision. Um, he was also beginning to lose his balance. But he didn't really tell her anything at that point other than he just said, why don't you just run ahead and I'll meet you at home. Fortunately, she um, stayed with him and uh, they ran about another half mile and at that point um, he couldn't go any further. And he went, got himself over to the side of the street and he got down on all fours on the side of the curb. So I'm on my walk and um, my cell phone rings, and my, it's my daughter, and she said, Mom, something is wrong with Dad. Um, can you get the car, and can you come and get us? And I asked her where she was at, and uh, they were just a couple of blocks away from where I was. 
if I had followed my normal path, I would have been probably uh, maybe eight, nine blocks away from them. I'm not a runner, but I ran that day, and I ran to the location where they were at. And when I got there, he was still on his hands and knees, um, but he was talking to us. He was alert, and he was able to tell us what was going on. He was having a really severe headache in the front of his head, and um, it was in the back of his neck, and it was radiating down into his shoulders and into his arms. And initially, when I got the call from our daughter, I told her, call 911 right away. But when I got there, she hadn't called 911 because he told her not to. Um, he, you know, I think he just thought, if I rest a little bit, and somebody brought a bottle of water out, and he was drinking that, and he was pouring it over his head, and um, I think he thought if he just rested, that uh, he'd be able to get home. But she did call 911, and while we waited for the ambulance, I began to pray over him. The EMTs arrived, and they checked his vitals, and everything checked out well. Um, his blood pressure was good, but the only thing is he couldn't stand up on his own, and sort of reluctantly, he agreed to uh, be transported to, to the emergency room just to be checked out. And honestly, I don't really think that the EMTs thought it was anything either because um, they didn't even turn their lights on when we, when we went to the emergency room. I think they thought maybe it was heat exhaustion or he was dehydrated or something like that. Well, we arrived at the emergency room and literally, the, I rode with the ambulance. The first person that I saw when I got there was Barb Godfrey, and I don't know if you're a member of this church, you probably know Todd and Barb Godfrey. So I, she asked what was going on, and I said, well, I don't really know. We're here just to have Dave checked out, but I asked her to begin to pray for him, and she said she would. And we went into the, um, the room, and uh, the, the doctor came in, and she asked him a few questions about how he was feeling, and then she ordered a CT scan of his brain. And within a really short amount of time, honestly, you know, you kind of lose all track of time, but it was a relatively short amount of time, they came back and they said that he had suffered a, a massive brain hemorrhage, and it was more than likely from a brain aneurysm. At that point, I asked the nurse if Barb Godfrey was still there, and um, she was, so she came to his bedside, and we began to pray over him while they were preparing him to air flight uh, to Rochester. And after we prayed for him, I didn't know it, but she went and she called Cassie. And we, Cassie arrived shortly, and um, we prayed over Dave, and he called her over to the side of the bed, and he said, Cassie, I want you to promise me that you won't let um, Barb and Sarah drive to Rochester by themselves. So he was concerned about us, and she made good on that promise. She, as soon as he was loaded on the, um, the helicopter and they had taken off with him, she took us home, and we hastily threw some things in a suitcase, and we took off um, for Rochester. If I had been a betting person, Dave's not the person that I would have expected this to happen to. He's run at least three times a week since high school. He had a physical last November, and everything checked out fine. We try to eat right. We try to watch our weight. But it did happen, and honestly, it caught us off guard. 
But the thing about God is it didn't catch him off guard. In fact, he'd been preparing for this and, and knew weeks in advance that this was going to be taking place. And he was already positioning people. You see, our daughter came home that day, and she was with her dad when it happened. Normally, he runs alone, and I wouldn't have looked for him right away. Uh, I would have thought that maybe he stopped to talk to somebody along the way, or maybe he was out walking in the back in the park behind our house. And into my walk, the Holy Spirit told me to take a different route, and that positioned me just two blocks away from him instead of several blocks away. I found out later that Jim Hermanson, um, he was behind the ambulance on the way to the hospital, and he was praying. He didn't realize that Dave was in the ambulance, but he began to pray. And when I got to the hospital, I saw Barb Godfrey. Now, Barb was at the hospital because she was taking an on-call for someone. She had known several weeks in advance that the person that was supposed to be on the call that weekend couldn't take the on-call, and she had tried diligently to find someone to cover that for her, and she wasn't able to find anyone. And so she was at the hospital. And if she hadn't have been there, then Cassie wouldn't have been called, and she was our driver. So we have a God who is into the details, and he set things in motion, and he put people in the right places at the right time, now, some people might call that a coincidence, but for those of us that are believers, we know there's no such thing as luck or coincidence, but it's all part of God's master plan. On the way to Rochester, I began to call family and friends um, because I wanted people to begin to pray for him. I knew that there was power in the body of believers and for people to unite in prayer. And I notified this, my sisters from my small group, and I asked them to pray, to join us in prayer because... I knew that we had a battle ahead of us to fight, and I needed prayer warriors who believed in healing and who would stand with us believing for a full recovery. When we got to the hospital, they directed us to his floor, and the minute I walked through the door, I knew he was in ICU. That was really a defining moment for me because up to that point, I'd been making decisions uh, and going through the motions, and I can best describe it as an out-of-body experience, and I think anybody that's experienced anything like that can probably relate to it. I knew that his condition was serious, but my mind and emotions hadn't really lined up with each other. They hadn't caught up with each other, but at that moment, they did. Many people have said, you must have been scared, and I can honestly say that up to that point, I wasn't scared. I, I felt overwhelmed but not scared. And I truly believe that this was a time that God was carrying me and he was helping our family and he gave us the peace and comfort that we needed to deal with what, with what was at hand. Dave was very alert when he left Mercy Hospital, but two hours later when we arrived at St. Mary's, he had lost all short-term memory. He was very confused. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know what had happened to him. He didn't remember the air, being airlifted there. Um, he did remember the events up to being on the side of the curb, and that was really it. He remembered nothing else after that. He had forgotten basic information. He didn't know what year it was. He didn't know what month it was. He didn't know who the president was. In fact, he thought Clinton was still in office, and it was 1991. So um, that kind of gives you a frame of reference for where he was at. And you could answer him, and 30 seconds later, he would ask you the same question over and over and over again. And you'd tell him, and he'd say, really? Like, 
I just can't believe what you're telling me. He had been assigned to a neurocritical care team, and that's a group of physicians who oversaw his um, care at St. Mary's. And they came in every morning, bright and early, to see him. And then several times throughout the day, different members of the team were coming in. That first night, they ordered an angiogram of his brain. I didn't know they could do angiograms of brain. I thought it was just of the heart, but they do. And um, while he was in that procedure, Cassie, my children, Pastor Mark, who had been down to Iowa City and back that day to Mason City and then to Rochester um, to, to pick up Cassie to take her home, so he'd put in a long day, we all just kind of sat in the ICU waiting room and we were talking. And the doctor came in and he told us that they had not found an aneurysm as they had suspected. But they didn't rule it out, and they would continue to monitor him and to treat him as if he had an aneurysm. What they did know was that he had a massive amount of, brain, of blood on his brain. I believe God just closed that, the source of that bleed right up, and I knew that it was a good report. Um, to other people, it probably didn't sound like a good report, but for us, it did. And we stood after the doctor left. We held hands, and we prayed together, and we praised God for his faithfulness. Once he was settled back in his room after the angiogram, a doctor came in, and he gave us a very textbook scenario of what had happened, what could happen next, and what we could expect. He painted a very grim picture, and his words were less than encouraging. And honestly, I was kind of taken aback by the conversation. First of all, that it was said right at my husband's bedside. So after the doctor left, I went out and I said to the nurse, I want you to put this on his file. I don't ever want another conversation like that to take place at his bedside in front of him. Even though he was very confused, I didn't want him to hear that kind of a conversation. Our daughter said later, she said, I don't think the doctors think we really understand how serious his medical condition is, but we understood exactly how serious it was. But we could not focus on our circumstances and what we could see. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, we are to walk by faith and not by sight, and we're to trust God. In Mark 11, 23 and 24, the word says that we can speak to our mountains and not doubt in our hearts, and they will move. We had a huge mountain in front of us, and it was going to take faith and prayer to fight the battle. But God is our final authority. The doctors can provide us with facts, but God's word is the truth, and it's a higher authority than man's word. So many people who have loved ones in ICU, and I spent a lot of time there. We were there 13 days. Spent a lot of their time focusing on their loved ones and what was wrong with them. And that, that was really hard for me, and I tried to encourage people to focus on what, what was right or what was, going, what was good about the situation for their family members. Because you see, for my husband, he was alive, he was speaking, he could move his arms and his legs, and he knew us, and those were the things that I wanted us to focus on. In Romans 4, 7, the word says that we're to speak those things that are not as if they were. And when Cassie talks about a picture... That, I, that really goes along with that. We have to be, get a picture. And 
she said those words when we were at, at Mercy Hospital, and um, that, that really stuck with me. She, she told him those things, that he would walk our daughter down the aisle at her wedding, and he would play with his grandchildren, and yes, he would run again. So we began to get a vision as a family of going home and resuming our lives before the brain hemorrhage happened. We believed in a full recovery for him because we knew that he wouldn't be happy with anything less than that. And I knew by faith that he was healed. Later that first evening around 11 p.m., the nurse tried to wake Dave up and she couldn't get him to respond. She was rolling a pen over his nail beds trying to create pain and shaking him and he just, he just wouldn't wake up. A doctor from the neurocritical care team was called, and at that point a decision was made to drill a small hole in the top of his head into his skull and to put a tube into the center of his brain that they referred to as a drain to help relieve the pressure. Because there was a lot of blood in the brain and also because of the trauma to the brain, just because of the bleed, his body was producing a lot of spinal fluid and that was starting to build up and he would have that drain in place for the next 13 days. The ICU provided a cot for me that I put in a corner of Dave's room and I stayed with him around the clock. He was confused and he was disoriented that first week and I knew that he found it comforting to have me with him because everything was really unfamiliar to him and he just simply could not comprehend what had happened to him. My sweet sister, Candy Ellsbury, she sent me a text on Tuesday, June 9th. She had watched Kenneth Copeland, and he was asking people to lay their hands on the brain for healing. She said in her text, I pray that the healing power in your hands heals your husband's head from his brain all the way to his toes. The same power lives within you. Go to work, sister. Those words, go to work, sister, would come back to me the next day when he needed it the most. On Wednesday morning, Dave woke up at 4.30 a.m. with a severe headache, and nothing seemed to help. I sat on the side of his bed with him, and as the pain continued and he was so uncomfortable, I could begin to feel the fear rise up within me. The enemy was saying to me, he's having another bleed, and was trying to cast doubt because, remember, they hadn't found the sources of the bleed and aneurysms that go untreated or undetected generally bleed again. And I began to question if that's what was happening. I was trying to remain calm, but I was really starting to get that panicky feeling. And if you, you, I'm sure you all know it starts right in the center of your gut, and it just begins to creep up almost to the point that it feels like it's going to suffocate you. But then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he told me to begin to read the Psalms over him. And I began to read the word of God, and I spoke it with authority and with boldness. And I, could hear this, I, I began to hear the Psalms in a way that I hadn't heard them before. I'd read them many times, but I, I'd never heard them the way I heard them that day. I could hear the cry in David's voice as he cried out to the Lord, because I was crying out to the Lord, and he heard my cries. An overwhelming sense of peace began to settle on us and in that room. I laid my hands on his head and I spoke to his body to come into alignment with God's word. And in 1 Peter 2.24, that by the stripes of Jesus, he was healed. 
past tense, already done. It took some time, but the headache began to subside. The next morning, at exactly the same time, 4.30 a.m., he woke again with a severe headache, but this time there was no fear. You see, God had delivered him from the pain the day before, and I knew that he would do it again. And I don't say this with pride, but with humility and gratitude. Small miracles were happening every single day, and we were witnessing them firsthand. In the busyness of our everyday lives, it would have been easy to miss them. But for us, in those moments, they were significant. His memory began to return just bit by bit, and by the end of the first week, he was beginning to grasp what had happened to him. The power of prayer and the faith of other believers to stand with us and believe he was healed, it made all the difference. Dave was in ICU for 13 days and was discharged from the hospital on the 14th day, June 20th, at 12.30 p.m., almost at the exact hour the bleed had occurred just two weeks earlier. June 21st was Father's Day, and it was our 40th wedding anniversary. And we were home that day, and we celebrated it with our family. God had walked us through this storm, and it honestly is the best gift that we have ever received. God made a way for us, and he lit our path. He positioned people, and he used the medical team to monitor his progress. Without our God, we would have been lost. He is our anchor in the storm. We sing a song here that's at church that says, I'm holding on to you. In the middle of the storm, I am holding on. I am. God takes what the enemy meant for evil, and he turns it into good. Our time in the ICU was a time of reflection, and it helped us to draw closer to God, to each other, to our family, and our friends through this storm that we went through. And we have a God who loves and adores us. What greater gift can a father give his children than to lay down his own life? And he made a way for our healing and salvation at the cross. Dave's recovery continued when he got home. He tired easily. He slept more than he wanted to. But it was all part of that healing process. We took short walks two to three times a day. By the end of the first week, we'd walked our normal two-and-a-half-mile walk that, um, that we go on. We returned to Rochester on July 21st for a follow-up check. They did another CT scan of his brain because they wanted to see if they had maybe missed something. They didn't find the source of the bleed, and there was no evidence of an aneurysm. The doctors gave him a full clearance to resume his normal activities. And four days later, on July 25th, he ran the seven-mile race with our daughter that they had been preparing for on the day that the brain hemorrhage occurred. Our God is our healer. He's our great physician. He's our Jehovah Rapha in whom we can trust. Thank you.
Well, that, that was just beautiful. And I know many of you out there have testimonies that we could share every week, you know. Um, I just want to remind you guys of the prodigal son. I'm, I'm bringing up Joseph, people that we don't normally look at. Well, in the prodigal son verse, I want you to see the son that was home with the father. And he said, his son, and the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. Let's not forget who we belong to. We are the children of the Most High God. We can trust him when things come our way that, that we're not expecting. We can trust him. Remind yourself, when you read the scriptures, start looking at some of these other people in the scriptures. Here he was, totally blessed, had everything he'd ever needed, and he was thinking, this is unfair. My brother comes back. So we can't look at that. we got to remember who we belong to and what we have. It's all inside of us. And when there is a prodigal son out there, we got to show compassion and encourage them and build them up. So again, just to remind you, get a picture, start speaking over your body, over your circumstances, and remind yourself who you are, who you are. You're a child of the Most High God. And just like we see David here, and I truly had a picture. I saw him actually running with his uh, grandchildren, and the oldest is how old? Five. I actually had a picture of him running with Sarah's kids, and she's not married yet. And so I'm really excited when that day happens. But I'm, I'm so thankful, and like I said, many of you out there have testimonies like this. So we just got to come from this, um, from a different position as children of our Lord and Savior, of our Heavenly Father, who's already provided everything for us. So, Jason and Leslie. Oh, I'm just so excited. <laughs> Is anybody else excited when you hear a testimony like that? And on top of that, the Word of God that supports the testimony, and it's just like, this is so awesome. And then I looked over to Jason, and I said, she said our song. There was a Bible verse that she referenced out of Mark 11, and she said, have faith in God. Jesus said these words, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen. It will be done for him. And the song that we're going to sing right now, um, it says, these mountains that are in front of me, they will be thrown into the midst of the sea. And I'm going, whoa! God just orchestrated even for us right here in this night. And he's doing that for us, not just for this amazing story. And I wanted to tell you, Dave, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And he has a plan and a purpose for you that's not done yet. And so he has kept and he has sustained that body and that temple to see to fulfillment all that he has in store for you. And that goes for everyone in this room. We've been given these bodies to be the dwelling place of the Most High God. And it's not just something to uh, wake up each morning uh, and say, oh, I've got an ache or a pain, or man, I feel good today. He's given us this body to be the dwelling place of him to do a good and mighty work. And he's going to heal it, and he's going to strengthen it, 
and he's gonna do whatever it takes to fulfill his work and to see his kingdom come here. So as we sing this song, um, it's, it's called It Is Well, and maybe you've heard it before. If you wanna join in in that song with us, please do. Uh, but I also think this is one to soak in, uh, to let the spirit just anoint water, cover you in what it is saying because it's it's saying with confidence it's saying with with hope that it is well with my soul even when the mountain is in front of me even when the storm is raging around me it is well it is well just going to pray real quick before we go into this. Um, I just pray that you would join me in it. Father God, we give you praise. Oh my goodness, we give you praise tonight for the amazing testimony of the good works that you are doing in the bodies of your people. Lord, we pray that these bodies, these temples would rise up and unify to give you the praise that you deserve. And Lord, we pray that these bodies will know deep within us that it is well within our soul because your spirit is within, the power of the blood is over us, and your word is leading us. And Father, we thank you for the healing, for the truth of your word, and we pray that we will leave this evening with our hearts set upon you and upon your truth that we would be saved by the word and by the truth of your testimony. We come before you through the blood of Jesus and the power of your spirit. Amen. Yes, he had a great idea. If anyone feels led that you want to be prayed over, I think we've heard tonight that we've got some prayer warriors that are present in this room. So if you're feeling the need over your body, over your mind, uh, over your soul, that you just need that that refreshment, uh, the touch, not just of the word of prayer, but of the power of the spirit, we pray that you come forward and we've got prayer warriors here that are ready to receive you. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.